I'm glad you're here today. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. If I haven't met you yet, I'm senior pastor here. And what a great day to come and celebrate transformation, this wonderful Sunday that we call Easter when we remember what Jesus did for us on the cross and then the, his resurrection. And that's why we stand here today. Transformation, life and death. You know, when I was growing up, I thought I was invincible. I thought I would live forever and that nothing could hurt me. And I think that's the hubris of being a young person. And, you know, back when I was growing up, we would take long car rides and we wouldn't even wear seatbelts because uh, it wasn't the law back then. And my, my parents had this big green Chevy Impala. I don't know if you remember what those cars were like. They were like tanks. And in the back, there was like this huge window that, that kind of sloped. And so it was like this shelf in the back seat. So we on long trips. Uh, I would sleep up in that window and, uh, you know, my parents would probably be arrested today and they'd take them away from me and all that kind of stuff. But uh, uh, if, if, you know, if my dad ever had to slam on brakes, that would have been probably it for me. And, you know, my brother and I, when we'd ride our bikes all over our neighborhood, uh, we never would wear helmets. It wasn't the rule then either. And uh, we used to set up these huge ramps, I mean, as tall as we were, uh, to ride our pedal dirt bikes and we, we would jump everything and and we would land sometimes, and sometimes we would crash, and we'd just get back up and, and dust ourselves off. But we survived, and so we felt that we were invincible. I even dropped my brother off the roof one day, accidentally. Uh, actually, it was an accident, and, and lo and behold, he survived. Now, we didn't try that again, but you know we were feeling pretty good about ourselves, and so... Uh, but as, as time went on, you know, we began to realize there might be some chinks in the armor, not necessarily our armor, but other people's armor. And, and, and sometimes people that we know would die, but usually that would be an older person. And uh, if it was an older relative, certainly we'd be sad about that and we would miss them. But, you know, I would think, well, that's just when I get old is when I have to worry about stuff like that. I, I now, I, I'm an invincible. You know, but when I was 16, another big chink came out of the armor and that's when a 16-year-old uh, young lady in our youth group uh, died in a car accident. And death and the chinks in the armor of invulnerability got a little bit bigger in my life. And, you know, the other members of my youth group and I, we carried her casket as pallbearers to the grave. And that, that really shook me. It was a, a life-defining moment. But eventually, kind of got over that in a way, too, you know, because... That was a, a rarity, an oddity. That wasn't going to happen to me. It wasn't going to happen to, to any other of my friends. And so we continued to, to move forward, again, feeling some of that invincibility in our lives. Now I'm middle-aged, and uh, I know that I'm not invincible. Uh, and I know that there are people my age who every day drop dead of heart attacks or strokes uh, or diagnosed with terminal illness. And so uh, life has become more precious to me. I have boys now, and... Uh, they wear their bike helmets and they wear their seat belts and they don't drop each other off the roof because uh, that's not what we're going for because, man, life is fragile and life is it, it's precious. And, and I think young people today are realizing that sooner than later. And, and that can be a good thing, but I think some of the reasons why are really kind of sad and, and tragic. If you, if you saw one of these marches, the March for Our Lives that happened recently here in America in all 50 states. Uh, we've got a picture from one in Washington, D.C. Uh, there are millions of people in our world and in our country who are scared of death and of dying. And my sermon today is not on gun control, not for it or against it, but 
You know, when I turned on my television and, and looked on the internet and saw in the paper like these pictures of, of marches like this all over our country, it, it seems that, that young people today, millions of people, young people who used to feel invincible now believe that death is a reality. And it can happen to them for simply going to school. And, and that breaks my heart that we live in such a culture of fear, but it's fear for the right reasons because, man, it is dangerous to live in our world today. And we don't feel as invincible as we used to. And we live in the greatest country in the world. Brothers and sisters, when did death become a reality for you? When did you realize that we are not invincible and that we can be hurt and we can, we can die and we can lose people who we care about? Was it the loss of someone? Is it the imminent loss of, of someone now? Is it something maybe you, we're struggling with physically ourselves? When did death become a reality? Because it is a reality in our lives and it's something that we don't want to talk about, but it's yet in our faces. But today we have good news. And today we stand in the presence of one another as we remember the resurrection of Jesus. And, and today we turn to God, we turn to the Bible to give us hope in a culture of fear and in a culture of death. That God has a different message for us and a different message for our community, a different message for our world, and it's the good news of Jesus. And it's all about life and death and life transformation. And so this past Friday would have been the day that Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, allowed himself to be killed, to be nailed to a tree so that you and I could have a way back to God. He's been in the grave Friday. He's been in the grave Saturday. And today is Sunday. And some of his followers, some of the women who followed him are coming to his tomb to anoint him and the body with certain spices, as was their custom. And so that's where we pick up the story today. And we're going to be in the Bible, in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel is the good news of Jesus. Luke 24, 1 through 5. On the first day of the week, on Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And they found the stone that had been rolled away. This huge boulder that looked like a giant quarter had been rolled away. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, most likely angels, stood beside them. And in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? And they're going to go on to say, this is no April Fool's joke. This Jesus is alive and he is not here. He has been resurrected just as he said he would be. Amen. So Jesus was dead and now he is alive so that you and I can have an avenue of a relationship back to God. That the wrong things that we do can be forgiven. Our guilt and shame can be replaced with joy and peace. And, and we open ourselves to being resurrected ourselves one day in the glorious kingdom of heaven. This is the Easter story. This is a great story. And it's a story that we would like to believe. But I'm sure there are those of us who are here maybe for the first time or maybe we come every couple of times a year or maybe we've been here every Sunday of our lives and, and we hear the story of Jesus dying and coming back to life and we'd like to believe that but it just seems too good to be true. And I understand the skepticism. We're, we're asking ourselves and you to, to believe the impossible. 
But someone's heart can stop and someone can be put in the ground and yet continue on and one day be resurrected and have a new life and live forever in eternity. It sounds too good to be true. It sounds like a pipe dream. It sounds like a crutch to get through life when life can be so incredibly difficult. I understand how hard it is to believe this. And my own personal struggles with doubt as a, as a lifelong follower of Christ, this is one of the ones that gives me the most trouble. Really? Living forever? Resurrection? I mean, how can that be true? And yet I believe that it is. And I think when we examine the evidence that our skepticism, you know, maybe we can, we can let go of some of that. When the women went to the tomb and, and they found it empty and would later see Jesus resurrected. In the first century, if you're going to make something up about Jesus being resurrected, then women would not have been the first witnesses because sadly, in the first century, women weren't considered as credible witnesses. They couldn't give testimony in courts. And so if we were going to make something up about Jesus being resurrected, the last people that we would choose to find him would be the women. And yet the story is there that it was the women that first encountered him. And his disciples, as, as they lived with Jesus and saw him do miracles and all kinds of things, they are portrayed in the Bible as, as having somewhere between little and no faith. Jesus feeds 4,000 people with just a handful of bread and, and fish, and, and then he goes to do it again just you know a few days later, and the disciples are like, well, where are we going to feed the people? Dudes, we just did it a few days ago, right? Well, I have such little faith. When Jesus was arrested and, and killed, his disciples said, we'll go with you all the way, even if we have to be killed. But when push came to shove, they ran away like cowards. They denied Christ and, and they, they had nothing to do with him. But something changed after he was said to have been resurrected to where they began to preach. And the people that killed him came to them and said, shut up, stop doing this. And they said, no, we're not going to stop doing it. And every one of them eventually would be killed because of their faith and because of their preaching. Something changed. Something changed in their lives to go from being cowards who didn't get it to being martyrs for the faith. And I don't think it's because it's a made-up story. I think it's because they encountered the living Christ. And even scientifically, I mean, who we are, our memories, our personalities, what we do, how we exist in life, it comes down to electrical uh, synapses in our gray matter in our brains. That, that, that's who we are, our consciousness. Is it impossible to believe that there's some sort of uploading of our consciousness into some kind of divine cloud where God has this greater technology than we have only to be downloaded later into another body. I think that might be possible. But we have to deal with our own skepticism. We have to, we have to figure this out for ourselves. We, we have to come to know Jesus on our own. But a man named Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, who, who started most of the churches in the first century, he used to hate Christians. And he would arrest them and he would have them killed until the Bible says he encountered the resurrected Jesus and it completely changed him. And that's when he started planting churches. That's when he started uh, writing the New Testament. And eventually he would die for his faith, right? Something happened in there for him to make such a switch. I want to read to you what he wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, his first letter to a church in Corinth. It was in, in Greece. And, and this is what he says about the resurrection. He says, but if it is preached that Christ Jesus has been raised from the dead, 
How can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Paul says everything that we do as Christian believers hinges upon the resurrection of Jesus. And it doesn't matter how many people we feed that are hungry, how many people we visit in prison, no matter what we do to make the world a better place, it's all in vain. It's all useless if Jesus didn't come back from the dead. It's the hinge point of our belief system. And I realize it's almost impossible to believe, but but it has transformed so many people's lives and, and they were once one thing and now they are something else. This passage, this passage of Christ. Now here's the thing. Resurrection and eternal life is awesome and we look forward to that. And a lot of times we discount this life to say, well, it doesn't really matter what goes on in this life. We're going to live forever in eternity. Right? But, but, but Jesus says that it's the exact opposite. Right? So that resurrection life, we don't have to die to experience that. That resurrection life can, can happen in this life. And so I want to read to you from Jesus' words himself in John's gospel. Again, the, the fourth book of the New Testament. Right? The gospel, the good news of Jesus. Jesus, this is why I came. This, this is why I did what I did. I have come that they, humanity, may have life and have it to the full. I have come that I may give humanity life to the full. So it's life forever in heaven, but it's life to the full on the earth while we live here now. And I think sometimes that we get confused about what life to the full is. And so I guess I'll ask you the question, brothers and sisters, are you living life to the full? If you were to sit down, look yourself in the mirror, would you say, hey, I am living life to the full? And, and I think Jesus' definition of life to the full is a little bit different than the world's vision of life to the full. I think in, in the world today, you know, we've heard the Latin phrase carpe diem, seize the day, right? Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we will die. Make the best out of our lives because it's a short life and we, we have to live life to the full. So, you know, I think life to the full in our culture means make as much money as we can so we can buy as much stuff as, as we can and that's going to make us happy. It, it means sleeping around with as many people as possible and just enjoy being free and, and doing all of that. It means going on all these grand trips and vacations. It, it means you know looking out for ourselves and having the party, the, not, the forever existing party in our lives and, 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 and focus more on ourselves than we focus on other people because if, if there is no life after death, then why should we help other people, right? We just need to, to, to live life to the full and, and, and be famous and be better and win at all costs than anyone else. And so I think that's the world's version of, of life to the full. But you know, when, when I see people who are able to do all those things, you know, some of those things are, are good and fun in the right circumstances. Some of them are not, but, but people who have as much money as they could ever have. They have as much fame and fortune and, and, and relationships and, and stuff and mansions. And, and when we see all these people in our lives are athletes and celebrities and actors and actresses and politicians, you know, what do we see? Usually they're miserable. And that the life to the full, the, the carpe diem that they're living is, is a crap diem, right? It's never enough money. Never enough stuff, never enough houses or cars, right? Never enough retweets or likes or, or shares, right? It's, it's never enough. It's always leaving us feeling empty and wanting more. So I think it's a big lie of what life to the full is. When, when Jesus says life to the full, I think it means it's a relationship with God. 
It's a relationship with each other. It's, it's, it's deeply loved relationships, unconditional. That There's no strings attached. People love us not because what we do for them, but because of who we are in God. And we love other people not because of what they do for us, but because who God created them to be. Life to the full is like Aaron. Is, is we figure out who we are and why we've been placed on this earth and the gifts that we have to make the world a better place. And when we are using those gifts and helping other people, we find satisfaction and our lives are transformed. Life to the full is not about us. It's, it's about a relationship with God. It's, it's about making this world a better place and, and loving people in and, and these deep, unconditional relationships. Brothers and sisters, are you living life to the full? So the question today, the operative question, you know, we read the story of Jesus. We, we read the Easter passage. The, I think the question is, well, so what? So what he died? So what he came back to life? Right? So what? Right? The conclusion is that Jesus offers us a resurrection transfusion. Right? Jesus wants to infuse us with resurrection life. Right? He, he didn't die on a cross and come back to life so that you and I can waste our lives chasing a life to the full that, that really is life to the empty. Jesus came to transfuse us with the resurrection power of God. Are we living resurrection power lives? Have we received this transfusion of the power of Christ? Or where we've let go of our guilt and shame, we've given it to God, and we're like, God, I'm tired of living a life without you. Come and forgive me and and show me my purpose and, and help me feel your Holy Spirit. Help me to love people and to make this place a, a, a better place to, to help the oppressed and to feed the hungry, to, to, to help those who are hurting. God, use me to make this world a better place. Are we living life to the full? The conclusion, Jesus came to give us a resurrection transfusion. Have we received that? And it begins with a relationship, a personal loving relationship with God. So what? He came to infuse us with life. So I think the next question would be, well, now what? So what do I do? Jesus makes this offer. Now what? I, I'm going to steal a line from that great movie, The Shawshank Redemption. Now what? Get busy living. If Jesus came to give us life, if he came to give us resurrection life, then we should start living life to the full. But it begins with our relationship with Christ, inviting him in. God, give me life to the full. Right? And so, so what does that look like? I would just invite you every day for one week to join us in prayer at either 109 a.m., 109 p.m., whatever, whenever you're up, okay? And, and you can be lucid and talk to God, right? We pray at 109 every day. It's based from a passage of scripture in the Old Testament, Joshua 1.9. I invite you to go home and read that and, and try to figure out why we're doing what we're doing. But 109, our church prays together. I'd invite you for a week, every day at 109, to ask yourself the question, am I living life to the full? Or am I living life to the empty? And if I want to live life to the full, then maybe say a prayer to God. God, I would like to begin living life to the full. I would like to begin to explore in a relationship with you, God. I would like to begin to, to, to go deeper in faith with you. And our church will be here if, if you want to explore that together. And if this is not the place, we'll help you find a, a place to explore together. Maybe you want to try it on your own. I would encourage you to read the Gospel of John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. It's the summary of what we're all about, right? 
It's a summary of what life to the full is all about. So give yourselves a week. Try to talk to God. Ask yourself the question, am I living life to the full? Check out John's gospel. Come back. Go to another church. But, but spend some time. Am I living life to the empty? Am I living life to the full? You know, Erin said some powerful things. She, when, she caught my attention when she said, I forgot how to live. How many of us have forgotten how to live? How many of us don't know how to live in the first place? And, and we need to give Jesus a chance. She said, when I go back to the dark place, when I get into trouble, right? It doesn't mean that our lives are not going to have problems and we're not going you know, to live a, like a perfect life. But when I go back to that dark place, she says, I, I stop and I remember who Jesus is and what he's done for me in my life. And that brings me more, more uh, satisfaction in my life than anything. And she says, I, I was made to sing, and, and so, so I've got to sing. Brothers and sisters, what were you created to do? Have you forgotten how to live? Do you, do you know how to live? Do we know how to receive this resurrection life that Jesus makes possible for us? Another amazing story about one of our church members here. His name is Ed, and um, Ed and his wife uh, have attended our church for a long time. And, and Ed makes um, uh, a lot of blood donations to the Red Cross, and he, he gives a lot of platelet donations. And he's just, he gives the gift of life, literally gives the gift of life. And so one day I ask Ed, Ed, why do you do that? Right? That grosses a lot of people out, you know. You just get you, ugh, I, just, I can't even, gets me too, you know. And, and why, why do you give so much blood? Why do you give, you know, so many platelets? And, and he said, well, it, you know, it all started when my grandson was adopted in Russia at age two and came to the U.S. And uh, it was a challenging kind of process, and he, his health was not good when he came here. And, and right after he got here, we saw a, a plea from the Red Cross asking for uh, bone marrow transfusion uh, for a young boy the same age as my grandson, who was not going to live unless he got a blood, you know, uh, marrow, bone marrow transfusion. And he said, so my wife and I, we went and we got tested because we were moved because he was the same age as our grandson. We were not a match for him. But when they took our blood, they, they determined that I had some really good platelets. And they asked me to consider being a platelet donor for the future. Platelets are, are what helps uh, stop blood uh, uh, from bleeding too much, but it can clot too much. But long story short, it's something that we need uh, to live. And uh, in cancer patients with treatments, uh, it, the treatments eats up, eat up the platelets. And they're like 15,000 different types of platelets, so it's hard to get a good match. And, and, and some of these cancer patients who are waiting to receive platelets, it's like winning the Powerball lottery to find the, the right person. And so Ed began to give platelets, and he gave platelets, and he gave platelets. And long story short, uh, one day he got a call from the Red Cross that says there's an 8-year-old girl who lives in Minnesota. She's dying. She needs a platelet uh, uh, transfusion. Would you be willing to do that? You are an exact match. Right? It's like Powerball lottery numbers. It's a, a modern-day miracle. Ed was born in South Africa, and he's now living in Charlotte. This girl is eight, and she's living in Minnesota. And he said, absolutely. So he went to the hospital. They, they took the platelets out of his arm. Uh, a sheriff was there. They put it in a cooler. The sheriff rushed that to the airport. The airport flew it uh, and rushed it to Minnesota. Uh, they got the platelets to the girl, uh, and she lived. And Ed gave her the gift of life. And it's a beautiful thing. And I, as a parent, I can only imagine the gratitude that... that her parents must feel towards Ed. You gave our daughter life. We gave her life, and now you, you, you've given her her life back. And I'm sure she was excited to receive that, but as she goes older, she'll understand exactly, you know, just what's going on, and she'll be grateful to Ed. And, and, and I hope that she, she responds by living her life to the full, 
by figuring out what it is that God has gifted her to do. And, and she does that well, and she loves well, and she loves deeply and, and lives her life. But what if this eight-year-old girl grows up and, uh, and she gets hooks on drugs and, and she dies a premature death? What if she grows up and figures out that she could be a great painter or a great singer or a great teacher and she refuses to do any of that because she's just not interested? What if she grows up and has a hard heart and instead of risking love uh, by caring for other people, she shuts herself off and just becomes, you know, just a, a stubborn, you know, curmudgeonly person who hates life, right? What if any of those things come true? Then Ed's donation of life will be have wasted. This transfusion of life to give this girl a new life, it'll, it'll be wasted. Right? She has a choice. Brothers and sisters, you and I have the same choice. Jesus died on a cross with his blood. He rose from the dead to infuse us with resurrection power and resurrection life. And we've got a choice. Are we going to choose to reject that and live life to the empty? Or are we going to say, you know what? I need you, Jesus. I'm tired of living life to the empty. I'm ready to live life to the full. I want to love and be loved for who I am. I, I want to be forgiven of the stuff that I've done. I'm tired of carrying around guilt and shame, and I, I just want to leave it alone. I, I want to receive inner peace. I want to receive joy that, that doesn't go away. Right? Happiness can be happy one minute and, and gone the next. Joy stays with us through the good and the bad. And say, Jesus, I'm tired of living an empty life. I'm, I'm ready to be infused with your resurrection power and your resurrection life. Brothers and sisters, that's what we're talking about today. And that's what it's all about. And I just would invite you, if you don't know Jesus, then today would be a great day to invite him in and say, Lord, come and live in me. Help me to know what it's like to live life to the full. This is God's free gift for all of us. And it's something that we can't afford to waste. Jesus came to offer us the transfusion of resurrection life. So let's get busy living. Let's follow Jesus. And let's have an incredibly happy Easter. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.